always do it on my own, so I gotta get through it And the only thing I know is to love what I'm doing Never give up, never slow, till I finally prove it Never listen to the no's He who controls the past controls the future He who controls the present controls the past All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Nobody's News. Um, a bit of a somber show today. We've got some interesting stuff to cover quite a bit. But the name of this episode, as you saw, is Will We Make It? And I was trying to think about what to title this episode, and that seemed appropriate because I'll be honest, I I've never before felt this uncertain about the future. I mean, in high school, you know, I, I was a big R Republican, didn't know anything about politics, but I thought America's over once Obama gets elected. Um, but it turns out that isn't the case. And, you know, they say every election is the most important election. And, and we buy into that and everyone buys into the fear mongering and gets all up in arms. But in, at this current time, I really do struggle seeing a, a peaceful path towards the future, a, a path where America stays together, where we avoid massive conflict and world war. Um, I mean, I mean, we've seen recently with the Russian Ukraine stuff, it just keeps escalating and keeps escalating. And two years ago, we covered it on this show. And, you know, part of being adult is admitting when you're wrong, you know, when you were wrong. I honestly, I said, there's no way this is going to spark into a giant world war. This is a regional conflict. It's not that big of a deal. And I was wrong. Now, granted, I was right on the, the aspect of there is no benefit towards a world war. There is no, no reason for a world war. There's no reason it should spiral out of control. But what I didn't anticipate was just how corrupt and evil the people leading this country and the Western, the Western world are. They truly are a bunch of warmongering tyrants who are willing to let it all burn just so they can hold their grasp on power. So we're going to get into some of that stuff and how I'm, I'm really concerned about the future and, and you know the way things are escalating and how they could lead to a massive war. And also here domestically on our own home front, we have the Democrats launching a full-on legal offensive towards Trump. They've been doing this since 2016. But that's not just lawfare anymore. They've created a two-tier justice system. Now, you can't have a country that functions with two systems. That's like having, basically, they say, we're not going to go into Congress anymore. We're going to have our own Congress for the right-wing states and the left states, the blue states, they're going to have their own Congress. You don't have a country anymore at that point. The, the system itself is split. And right now, our, our justice system you know, the judicial system uh, or the judicial branch is one of the three branches of our government. It's split. And all those checks and balances, they don't really apply anymore because it's split. And we've seen this with Trump and, and just the way that people get treated who are Republican or even right leaning in left left wing states or even Democrats. If you're white and you're in a blue state, you're going to get shafted like we saw with Daniel Penny. So that stuff's going on. And then we see also, as we'll get into later, 
they're they're saying that they're not going to certify Donald Trump if he gets elected in 2024. Some Democrats are saying that, which that was the whole thing with the the people at January 6th trying to stop the certification. They were insurrectionists. They're going to prison for decades. Uh, they were in solitary confinement for over a year in terrible conditions before before they even saw a trial. So now the Democrats are coming out and saying this. They're anti for all their talk about democracy. They seem anti democracy course we live in a constitutional republic but they they always claim that we live in a democracy so all of this stuff comes together and i i really i have to say what what is going on this country i don't like to do the fear-mongering stuff but it really is coming apart at the seams we have basically two different systems of government and it just depends on where you live which one you get which is is not the united states of america and then we have our leaders pushing us into a massive world war and continuing to escalate things. So we're going to get into all of that, but that's why I named this episode. Um, will we make it? Because, you know, every day it gets, it gets less and less likely that we make it to 2024 without something absolutely terrible and horrendous happening. But first story of the day, uh, let me pull this up here as soon as I get the, the final show bumper ready to go so I can turn on my volume. Um, this is not really a story, so I guess I shouldn't say it's the first story of the day, but it's more of a PSA. Just I, I found this information. I wanted to pass it along to you guys because we've talked nonstop about how everything is trying to kill us. I mean, even Cheerios at this point are trying to sterilize you. It's absolutely insane. So what to do about it? I mean, the majority of our drinking water up to over 50% has PFAs, forever chemicals in it. And I've tried to take steps here, only drinking out of glass. Um, of course, I have my fake fake beer Heineken zero here. Um, so that's, that's not good. Cause I'm, I know the in, inside of that can is lined with plastic, but for the most part, trying to, to eat organic, eat grass fed, eat free range, no hormones, um, stay off of, off of glass. I have a, a special filter that's supposed to filter out forever chemicals, but either way, even doing all of that, I'm still getting these chemicals. I'm still, even just in the air, I'm getting, getting these chemicals living in the city. So we really try to focus on what you can do to try to avoid those things and try to be healthier and avoid this giant overpopulation cult that wants to sterilize us all and turn us all into unisex robots that live in pods. And uh, this is a story that, you know, you guys should know, um, especially if you can't afford a big, nice filter for PFs, PFAs and forever chemicals. So from the Washington Post, a simple way to get microplastics out of your water, new research found that boiling drinking water can remove up to nearly 90% of microplastics. Tiny plastic particles can seem alarmingly ubiquitous and nearly impossible to get rid of. They've been found in food, breast milk, and even clouds. But new research suggests that a simple solution could reduce microplastics in drinking water, boiling it. In a new term, in a new paper published Wednesday in the Journal of Environmental Science and Technology Letters, Jiajun Li and Eddie Y. Zhang report that the boiling and filtering water helped remove up to nearly 90% of the tiny plastic particles, which they write can be found in 129 of 159 tap water samples from 14 countries worldwide. So, yeah, like I said, not not much of a story. I don't have really anything to say on that. Just a, a PSA that I wanted to pass on to you guys. If you do don't have a, a nice filter to get rid of those PFAs, they're in the majority of our drinking water. They stay with you forever. They sterilize you. They reduce testosterone. They're absolutely terrible for you. 
start boiling your water. It sounds crazy, but for 20 bucks on Amazon, you can get a giant glass pitcher and then you just boil water in a pot, fill it up kind of the same way in the South. We used to make sweet tea. You know, you, you just have a big pitcher going in at all times. Um, that, that's what I would advise. That's if I didn't have my filter, that's what I'd be doing. And even then I may boil the water before I put in the filter, to be honest. Um, but anyway, now that that's out of the way, uh, so first first story of the day, uh, Mitch McConnell is stepping down, sort of. So Mitch McConnell to quit as top Senate Republican as party shifts towards Trump. Uh, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, the longest serving Senate party leader in history, said Wednesday he would step down from his leadership role in November, yielding to both the pressure of age and the rapid changes in the Republican Party. Um, let's see. I want to see if this is him talking more oh, real great estate and ad, um, as the top Senate Republican since 2007, the Kentucky lawmaker wielded brass knuckle tactics to install conservatives on the Supreme court, defeat campaign finance measures and see through the passage of major tax cuts in 2017. Um, no, he's been an absolute disaster. Um, I, I want to let this advertisement get over so we can see what he had to say. Um, when I got here, I was just happy if anybody remembered my name. President Reagan he called so me. so old and senile. Mitch O'Donnell. Close enough, I thought. I know the politics within my party at this particular moment in time. I have many faults. Misunderstanding politics is not one of them. That said, I believe more strongly than ever that America's global leadership is essential to preserving the shining city on a hill that Ronald Reagan discussed. Oh, find Ukraine, find Ukraine. He, he came out and said that the single most important thing we need to do in the Senate is pass funding for Ukraine. So he's an old warmonger. Forget his tax cuts. He's been in favor of blowing out the budget as long as he's been in office. Um, so it's good he's stepping down. But here's the thing, and this is really why I wanted to bring up this story. It's not really a win because he's staying in the Senate. He's going to go out the rest of his term, may even run again, depending on how things go. So he's not going anywhere. So everyone, everyone on the right, a lot of the young Congress people and young senators are coming out saying, this is good. It's time for a, a leadership change. No, he's still there. He's still going to have his fingers in the pie. And to that, I say, Kentucky, why do you keep electing this guy? He's, a, I mean, Kentucky's a very red state. And that would presumably mean that the majority of people in Kentucky are against Ukraine funding or ag against just printing money for COVID relief bills against lockdowns. McConnell's been absolutely terrible on all of that stuff. Look at his record. If he even votes, he doesn't vote on so many of the bills that come through. Why? Because he doesn't want a bad, uh, he doesn't want anything attached to his name that shows him as radical. And uh, right now he's, he's still pushing for this $95 billion aid package. Stop electing him, Kentucky. Like this guy, I don't get how we just can't get rid of him. It, he's, there's a lot of bad Republicans out there and there's obviously a lot of bad Democrats, but I, I truly don't understand how this, the same people who in Kentucky are bitching about Joe Biden being too senile, about him being a warmonger, you're electing in Mitch McConnell. How? It doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but anyway, I'll get off my soapbox. I just, 
I really, it boggles my mind how there can be such a disconnect with Republicans where they really, they just vote R on the ballot. Like, I mean, vote for anyone other than McConnell, even a Democrat, just get him out of power, get a Democrat in there so that then you can campaign against that Democrat, but mix up the waters a little bit. McConnell is, for all intents and purposes, a Democrat anyway. Um, but at any rate, though, at least he'll have less power, or a little less power. Um, so I guess that's good news. Um, and other good news, D- Trump just scored a rare legal victory. Now, I know this is kind of surprising to say because at the beginning of the episode, I was talking about how how we have a two-tier justice system and Trump has got absolutely railroaded, which has had disastrous effects, both for you know radicalizing a bunch of people for and against him and making people not care about the system. They just care about the celebrities who are in power and they're willing to tear the system down as long as their guy's in charge or they're willing to tear down the system as long as our guy is not in charge. But there is there is a little good news here. There's bad news, too, and we'll get to the bad news because there's always bad news. Whenever there's a win in the legal system with Trump, there's always a backpedal and two, two bad things, at least, that come. But um, the Supreme Court's immunity hearing leaves prospect of pre-election Trump January 6th trial in doubt. The Supreme Court on Wednesday laid out a hearing schedule on former President Donald Trump's claims of presidential immunity that raises significant doubts that the election interference case against him will go to trial before the 2024 election, a major win for Trump in his effort to starve off legal consequences for his efforts to overturn his 2020 election loss. The Supreme Court's decision to hear oral arguments the week of April 22nd about whether Trump is entitled to presidential immunity left open a startling possibility that a former president charged with conspiring to con- to obstruct Congress and disenfranchise millions of Americans in an effort to stay in the Oval Office after losing an election may avoid facing trial before he's given a chance to return to the White House. That's so, I believe this is, who is this, NBC? That's such a, a crappy way of covering that. It's so dishonest. Conspiring to construct, to obstruct Congress and disenfranchise millions of Americans. What are you talking about? <laughs> if anybody disenfranchised millions of Americans. It was the Democrats stuffing ballot boxes. Yes, sure, it's legal, but it doesn't mean that it's not disenfranchising people and dirty. Um, But yeah, that, of course, NBC is going to be extremely biased and they're just going to lie to your face. And the people who follow them won't look any further. They'll just take it as a fact that he obstructed Congress, even though he said, go peacefully, and then even said, go home to all the people that were there. I believe he tweeted that out shortly after. Um, But anyway, it's good news because this means that for all the legal problems that he's facing and there's quite a few of them. It's extremely corrupt. We talk about the E. Jean Carroll case, about this ridiculous Mar-a-Lago case. At least this can get – because this is the big one that determines whether he's eligible to vote or to, to to be elected, to be on the ballot. So if he can get past the election before this goes to trial, then he can just pardon himself. I know people laugh about that, but we've gotten so ridiculous in this kangaroo court that – Honestly, the most sensible thing would be to pardon himself. Normally, I wouldn't like that, but I'm like, if they're just completely, they don't care about um, um, the the legal system. We saw the person who who found him guilty in the the summary hearing without a trial, without a jury uh, for the Mar-a-Lago situation. That guy was smirking and 
and giddy on camera right after he sentenced Trump. This isn't about lawfare to them. It's just about politics. So if it's just about politics, screw them. They destroyed the system. Pardon yourself. Who cares? It's it's no longer about being the white knight, being the good guy. It's about you have tyrants coming after you and not that Trump couldn't become tyrannical or did think, you know, didn't do things that I didn't like, you know, is very bad on guns and stuff like that. Either way, you can't fight fair with someone who's not fighting fair. That the rules have already broken down. You just have to survive. Um, but anyway, uh, this is this is good and just in time because we, I thought that the election keeping him off the ballot stuff was over. I thought that after they decided to stay that in Colorado and the other states kind of stopped, I thought that this would would end and they would stop trying to remove him from the ballot. They'd realize it's a losing position. It doesn't make you look good. Well, apparently Illinois doesn't care. Um, Illinois judge removes Trump from ballot because of quote unquote insurrectionist ban. Um, in a surprising move, an Illinois judge has removed former president Donald Trump from the state's ballot based on the 14th amendment. So-called insurrectionist ban. The decision is paused, giving Trump a short period of time to appeal Wednesday's unexpected decision comes as a similar anti-Trump challenge from Colorado is pending before the U S Supreme court, which is widely expected to reject arguments that Trump is barred from office. Um, a short time for appeal. I truly, I think that they're just trying to suck more money out of him. They're already trying to suck $350 million out of him, plus a hundred million in interest for the Mar-a-Lago case. Then they're trying to, you know, make him pay out 83 million for supposedly sexually assaulting a woman when there's no witnesses, there's no evidence. It's just complete hearsay. Um, and the woman's crazy by the way, <laughs> and has said that she likes rape, um, and women like rape. So, yeah, this I, I truly think that this is literally just to suck money out of him, and uh, it's ridiculous. They shouldn't be able to do this when it's already going before the Supreme Court. Like, he should just not show up to court. What are they going to do? Remove him from the ballot? He's not going to win in Illinois anyway. Chicago completely dominates their, their electoral college, so screw it. I would say just don't even fight it. Don't waste money. Just say it's going before the Supreme Court. Kick rocks. Um, of course, that's not really the way it works. Um, all the time, but we'll see. Um, but again, this whole this whole coming after Trump in political fashion is nothing new for the the Democrats, who are what I'm calling them now is the anti-democracy Democrats. Again, I said at the beginning of the show, we live in a constitutional republic, but they're the ones who are always saying democracy, democracy, democracy. Okay, well now you guys are anti-democracy. You're going against what you what you've said, and here's why I say that. So this is from the Wall Street Journal. Democrats may refuse to certify a Trump election if he wins. The Supreme Court could prevent that. If Donald Trump wins the election, Democrats in Congress won't commit to certifying the election. That's not just speculation from conservatives eyeing the extremely long track record of leading Democrats rejecting the legitimacy of Republican victories. It's the theme of Russell Berman in The Atlantic, and he's, ta he's talked to enough House Democrats to paint a truly alarming picture of what might happen to prevent the winner of the 2024 presidential election from becoming president. That's never happened in all of our history, as Berman notes. As Republicans are fond of pointing out, Democrats have objected to the certification of each GOP presidential winner since 2000. None of those challenges went anywhere, and they were all premised on disputing the outcome or legitimacy of the election itself. Contesting a presidential election by claiming that the winner is ineligible, however, has no precedent. I, th I thought that's interesting, too, because they've been doing this all the way since 2000. 
And I, I kind of remember that now, you know, saying that Bush didn't win and then they ignored it when, um, when Obama won, but then during the midterms, they said it was rigged. And then, you know, in, in 2016, they obviously come, came out and said that Trump was a, a Russian plant and Stacey Abrams said she won in Georgia and all these lunatics. So it's not anything new for them. Um, but anyway, this is no idle threat. Berman talks, talks to former House Majority Whip and outgoing assistant Democratic leader James Clyburn, who voted against certifying George W. Bush's victory in 2004. Senate candidate Adam Schiff, who abstained rather than to vote to certify Bush that same year. Zoe Lofgren, who did the same. Jamie Raskin, who objected to certifying Trump's victory in 2016. And Eric Swalwell. None of them would commit to certifying electors for Trump, even if it was clear that Trump won. He could not get a response from House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries, who repeatedly claimed that 2016 and after 2016 that Trump was not a legitimate president. As Berman notes, every House Democrat voted for the 2021 articles of impeachment of Trump for incitement of insurrection, and many of them still contend that he is an insurrectionist ineligible for presidency. So in other words... They say he's an insurrectionist, even though he's never been charged or convicted with, well, I guess he was impeached over that, but he's never been convicted of insurrection, but they're saying, we believe it to be true, so we're not going to certify him. Well, that disenfranchises millions of voters, Democrats, in a free and fair election. <laughs> like you can say, you can say that he's not eligible to run, but you can't say that he didn't win. If he wins, you can say, well, he won, but it's still, nope. That doesn't matter. He won. That's what the people want. That is democracy. That's what you keep talking about. So if you refuse to certify him because of a, a, a rule or you know a, a label that he's an insurrectionist, even though he's never been convicted of insurrection, well, that's just you saying, I don't like him. I think he's a bad guy. I'm not going to, to certify the election. That makes you a tyrant operating on your, you're not following the rules. You're not following our democratic process. You're just for political reasons, making your own decision. That's exactly what you've got mad at the Republicans for doing, for simply questioning the election. So absolute, absolute BS for all. Don't, don't buy into it anymore. All the Democrats talking about the, the anti-democracy Republicans, they want to overturn free and fair elections. They are actually the ones who are doing this. And they've been doing it since 2000. Don't buy it for a second. And um, yeah, I, I do worry though, where does, what happens in 2024, Trump wins and they refuse to, they refuse to certify him. I mean, is that like, are they the idiots who will drive us to, because say whatever you want about the Republicans, the people at January 6th, they certified the election. Joe Biden is president right now. If they refuse to do that, which they, they have no problems just completely throwing the law, throwing the Constitution to the wind, wh what happens then? Then do we have a, this big national divorce that turns into a civil war? I mean, they, they've shown that they don't care about the consequences of their actions. So maybe. So something, something to be concerned about uh, that the, the Democrats are now the, the party of anti-democracy. Um. So moving on, not in election news, but um, just some, some more BS coming your way. Um, there's more climate change news that you should be aware of. So this is from Changing America. Colorado bans use of gas-powered lawnmower equipment by state agencies starting 2025. The nonprofit co 
Koperg Foundation released a report that found gas-powered lawnmowers and other lawn equipment generated an estimated 671 tons of fine particulate pollution in 2020. Um, let's see. State agencies in, in Colorado will be banned from using certain gas-powered lawn equipment during the summer, according to a new rule adopted by Colorado Air Quality Control Commission. The rule applies from June to August. During this time, state agencies will not be allowed to use gas-powered lawn equipment with engines of 25 horsepower or less. The new regulation also prohibits gas uh, use of gas-powered push lawnmowers and other lawnmowers under 10 horsepower on, on other public property within the Denver metro and the nine-county north front range ozone non-containment non-attainment area. Um, their argument is... The nonprofit Co. Coperg Foundation released a report that found gas-powered lawnmowers and other lawn equipment generated an estimated 671 tons of fine particulate pollution in 2020. This was equivalent to pollution created by more than 7 million cars, according to the report. Coperg also said lawn equipment contributes an estimated 9,811 tons of ozone-forming volatile organic compounds, along with 1,969 tons of nitrogen oxides every year. The regulation will not go into effect until 2025. Um, so this is obviously ridiculous. Um, let's see. Um, yeah, they China has announced they're, they're absolutely exceeding and accelerating their release of carbon into the atmosphere, their pollution. And they've announced they will they will do so until 2030. Then they're also heavily invested in the green energy scam. They're building. We've covered this earlier in this show they're building um green electric vehicle plants in mexico so they're planning on just completely owning and underselling all of our american um uh, electric car manufacturers and they're going to own their own electric cars that they'll sell to us at a cheaper rate that are made in mexico and they're also heavily invested in all these um um, clean energy startups that are getting a bunch of government funding and grants. BlackRock, BlackRock owns a ton of those and is heavily invested in all of those. So the whole thing's ridiculous that they're going to, it's, it's literally throwing a needle at a haystack of problems. I mean, it, it's so stupid. We're going to ban lawnmowers and we're going to somehow stop climate change. Like this is where their, their focus is, is at. And this is how ridiculous this whole climate change agenda is. We've talked about it before. That's why I brought this up. This isn't anything new. It's just another step in how ridiculous this stuff is getting where we don't care about the rest of the world that just blows us out of the, out of the water with pollution. We don't want nuclear here, even though it's the cleanest, most efficient energy option we have. No, we're going to ban lawnmowers and then ignorantly think that that's going to make a single bit of difference. It's not. All it's going to do is make them have to buy new lawn equipment, which you, the taxpayers in Colorado, will pay for. Um, but anyway, yeah, I wrote down that this is not about regulating it down. They will not be happy until it's all or nothing. You know, they, they talk about how this is supposed to reduce emissions. Their goal is net zero. They don't care. They want every gas-powered fossil fuel run thing gone. And uh, this, this is proof of that, this next story here from the Wall Street Journal. Um, as hybrids gain popularity, skeptics ask if they are sufficiently green. Automakers battle climate groups over how gas electric vehicles are marketed ahead of new e uh, U.S. emission rules. Uh, climate activists are questioning how environmentally friendly hybrid vehicles are as those cars rise in popularity. And by the way, I have one. 
It's great. I, I spend 30 bucks on a gallon of gas, or not a gallon of gas. Soon I'll be paying 30 bucks for a gallon of gas, but I pay 30 bucks for a tank and I get about 550 miles because my car is a hybrid and it uses regenerative, regenerative braking. I hope I said that right. And basically it, it, some of the time it operates on gas when I need to get up and go. And then most of the time the brake charges the battery and the battery powers the car. Very clean, very efficient, a good step in the right direction for people who care about the climate and emissions. Well, let's see. Climate activists are questioning how environmentally friendly hybrid vehicles are. Oh, yeah. Um, the battle over the green bona fides of hybrids comes ahead of what could be the toughest U.S. restrictions on car pollution. Hybrids combine a gasoline engine with battery power and generally get far better gas mileage than the cars and trucks Americans have typically driven. Hybrid makers led by Toyota Motor argue that the vehicle's popularity is something to celebrate and an important solution toward achieving carbon neutrality. Those on the other side of the debate, including activists and some regulators, say hybrids aren't good enough if the world hopes to meet ambition, ambitious carbon reduction targets. So again, I am so over these whiny, spoiled climate change brats going and throwing soup on paintings and doing all of these things, and then they get something good. Okay, we're making a move towards hybrid vehicles. And by the way, an electric vehicle, I can't afford a Tesla. I can't afford a, a complete EV and I can't even charge it around here. I'd have to, I'd spend a ton of fuel because it costs money to charge them just going <laughs> to find a charging station. But with this electric vehicle, I can start to make the adjustment. My, I get way better gas mileage. My emissions go down if you care about all that stuff. And it was only about five grand more than the, the gas only option, as opposed to like 20,000 more for an all electric. So that'd be a great, you want, you want progress? Okay, that would be a great step, but no, because they are entitled whiny brats. This isn't, they don't actually care. It is a cult to them. And what they want is complete adherence and submission to the cult. They will not be happy with hybrids. Those aren't good enough. We, we start to produce hybrids. No, we need all electrics, which we talk about it in the book, the Sane Citizens Political Handbook, everywhere, top book in libertarian books right now. I don't have my paper copy, but we have a, uh, a chapter in there on environmentalism and the whole electric car thing is crap anyway. They produce way more carbon making the batteries and producing the, the batteries and the power plants to power the batteries if you don't have regenerative braking, which you don't have that with EV vehicles. You just have to go charge it. So the whole climate change, the whole electric car thing is, is a facade anyway. And that doesn't even count the fact that the rare earth minerals, which they get from slave labor, are, are gotten by just going in and extracting resources, using a ton of water, polluting water tables, all that stuff. So it's a big lie that electric vehicles are the answer, but that's, they're just cultist and they don't care about actual solutions. They don't care about making progress that also doesn't destroy the economy. They're just whiny brats. No, you have to do what we say. You have to do what the cult says. Um, and what's crazy about this is that they don't even believe their own crap. Um, check out Elizabeth Warren, a person who's talked nonstop about climate change. Look at this video of her. Let's see. This is from Paul Paul A. Sispula. Elizabeth Warren doesn't want you using private, a private plane, but she has no problem flying in one herself. Watch as Warren notices she's caught being a hypocrite, so she tries to hide behind one of her aides. What a fraud. Um, <laughs> Realizes she's being recorded. 
then tries to hide behind her aid. What an absolute turd. What an absolute turd. Rules for thee and not for me. Well, I can fly on a private plane because I'm a senator. I'm an important person. I ran for president. I'm not one of you peasants. A private plane uses more, and one flight from like LA to Chicago will use more, release more carbon and more pollution into the sky than most people will release in their entire life. They've done studies on this. So this whole, all these people using private jets and excusing it, like they go to Davos and the, you know, the world economic forum, or they go to climate change summits in their private jets and they justify it. No, you are actually, according to your own metrics, making a massive impact on the world. What you can't, you can't drive there, Elizabeth Warren for, I mean, uh, the fate of humanity is, is at hand. And you can't drive? No, it's because she doesn't actually believe it. It's all a bunch of BS. It's a cult. And for them, in power, it's a money grab. Um, but this is so annoying because, again, technology is advancing. Like, they're, they're so concerned with making the perfect the enemy of the good. But technology, I've said this, technology is advancing. Right now, or let's say 10 years ago, before hybrids were popular, gas vehicles were way more efficient, way less pollution causing that vehicles back in the sixties and the seventies, we are progressing because these companies, nobody wants America to, to fall apart. No one wants the world to burn up. These companies are concerned with the fact that there's only a limited amount of fossil fuels. They are working towards regenerative energy and sustainable energy, but it takes time. You can't just do it overnight. That's why, but you piss us all off and you say, you know what? We're not going to even meet you halfway because you say hybrid vehicles aren't good enough now. But anyway, this is some of the stuff that is showing that technology is changing and is improving. And we are working towards that goal. We just can't, can't get rid of the entire economy in order to do it and ask people to pay $50,000 for a vehicle. This is from the Wall Street Journal. The new hot climate investment is heat itself. Batteries that store heat can replace fossil fuels for steel making and other industrial processes. Industrial companies are searching for ways to make steel, cement, and chemicals without burning fossil fuels. Some of the biggest investors are betting a fast-developing battery that stores heat can solve the problem. BlackRock, Saudi America, and Rio Tinto. By the way, see what I said? BlackRock is invested in all of these green energy efforts owned by China. Headline, a group of financiers pouring hundreds of millions of dollars into startups making heat batteries, also called thermal batteries. They can use renewable energy to heat up blocks, rocks, or molten salt. That heat is released on demand to power industrial processes. Using electricity to generate heat is nothing new. That is how toasters work. The difference is that these toasters are roughly the size of a shipping container of shipping containers and release steam as hot as 2750 degrees Fahrenheit, more than a quarter of the sun's surface temperature. The trick is keeping the batteries hot until the heat is needed. Um, of course, it takes batteries, so again, you know, still reliant on some of those some of those rare earth mineral minerals but see a step in the right a right direction if you're a climate climate change activist but here's another one of how technology is changing and improving frackers are now are now drilling for clean power startups are tapping underground heat to generate electricity 
Oil and gas companies are accelerating investments in geothermal energy, betting the technologies that fueled the shale revolution can turn into the budding industry and can turn the budding industry into a large producer of clean power. Chevron BP and Devon Energy are part of a a group of fossil fuel companies investing hundreds of millions of dollars in modern geothermal startups and projects. Many of these companies are using the same technology employed by frackers, but instead of searching for oil and gas, they are looking for underground heat. The new geothermal industry is the result of a surprising confluence of interest among oil and gas technology and green powered industries. The heat that drillers find underground can be used to generate steady round the clock supply of carbon free electricity, which is coveted by tech companies for their power hungry data centers. And see, this is interesting because I remember, so my old roommate, I knew from the Marine Corps, he was from Germany and he's very big into tech. He's kind of a nerdy guy. Um, and he was talking about how Germany is experimenting with geothermal energy, where basically the center of our planet is molten lava. It's hot. So it produces heat and energy so they can dig down and they can harness that heat that our planet's naturally producing. And that was, they were doing little experiments where maybe it could charge a phone like five years ago. Now they're talking about massive corporations using it to frack. And I, I mean, there's nothing to worry about climate activists. Like we are working towards your goals. Nobody wants the world to end. Nobody wants climate change to destroy everything. We're getting there. We just can't do it overnight. So shut the fuck up. Um, anyway, we'll move on to our, our next story here, but real quick, I have to pause and pee. All right. One of the reasons I'm glad this show isn't live I can stop and pee when I need to. Um, so this next story, uh, Google is rigging the upcoming election. But my question is this, why are our billionaires not involved in this fight? So we're going to watch a little bit of a video here from Tim Poole so you can see what I'm talking about. Surprising no one, Donald Trump won in South Carolina. He's going to win again. And Nikki Haley's funding's getting pulled. Donald Trump, uh, he's going to be the Republican nominee. Now, the question is, what happens in November? Now, I had a tweet about allsides.com showing the bias of Google. And I said, Google is rigging the 2024 election. As of right now, it has 35 million views on X. The funny thing about this, the media writes concerning Elon Musk fans online fire, accusing Google of rigging 2024 election. Okay. Yeah, it was my tweet, internet. But of course, it's not news that I put out a tweet proving that Google is, is rigging the 2024 election to 35 million people. It's only news when Elon Musk highlights it as well. To be fair, the 35 million views probably did come from Elon himself, but this is definitive proof. We talked about it last week, and it must be talked about now in the context of Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley's losing her funding. We've got this from ABC News. Coke-backed group halts financial support. So in other words... Uh, I don't have a ton to, to say on this other than it's obvious that Google is rigging the results. You saw that 6% of the stories that pop up are right wing, 63% are left wing. And we saw this with the Hunter Biden laptop story. They covered that up. And my brother and I talked about during our last episode, where are our right wing billionaires? Why are we slaves to Google servers? Why? Like you, you have any sort of talk startup like, um, what was the one? It was uh, social media. It wasn't Proton Mail. It was Parler, right? Parler, 
gets popular, and then they just completely can't it because even though all the people for January 6th were communicating over Facebook, they say, well, we think they were communicating over Parler. So then they, for all intents and purposes, shut down and eradicate Parler. Why are we in this position? Why is Truth Social, which just DWAP or whatever they just partnered with, Trump social media, it's still a slave to Alphabet servers, to all these big tech servers. Twitter's still a slave to all these servers. Where are our billionaires fighting this fight? I don't have the ability to buy servers. Why are we not building this infrastructure? Because as much as we talk about, oh, great, Elon Musk owns Twitter, or great, Donald Trump has Truth Social, we're still, at any moment, they could shut us down. And sure, it would go to court, but do you have any faith in this legal system? So my question with, yeah, Google is is rigging the election. Why are our billionaires, why are our powerful people on the right not doing the same thing, not fighting back? Why are we just giving up the tech sector to the left? It's very frustrating to me. Um, but anyway, with all this stuff and, you know, in the way Google influences the culture and all of this stuff, it kind of programs people. If you only see left-wing results, you're going to be more left-wing. Uh, there is a bright spot in our country. Um, after reading this next story, I have to ask, are we winning the culture war? Which may be a positive note, even though they're trying to indoctrinate us, are people kind of getting fed up with some of the left's nonsense? And the reason I thought that was... The Wall Street Journal said, can Warner Bros. uncancel J.K. Rowling? The studio's new boss, David Zeslack, sees his mission as salvaging a rocky relationship with the creator of Harry Potter. The Hollywood studio that brought Harry Potter to life in blockbuster movies and theme park attractions around the world, J.K. Rowling may just as well have been wearing an invisibility cloak. Um, it was early 2022, and the Harry Potter author had avoided executives for more than two years. She'd recently skipped a reunion special that streamed on the company's Max service. A notable absence amid the not, now grown stars of the films, when she soon, when she soon after attended the premiere of an installment in the spinoff Fantastic Beasts series, she didn't pose for photos with the cast. The stars who had embodied her iconic character wanted little to do with her. Critics and former fans had spent the past two years castigating the author for public comments on gender and sex that they saw as attacks on transgender rights. And by the way, that was just her saying that, nope, women are women. I'm a feminist. Women are women. That's what she was castigated for, for being a, a liberal feminist. Um, but anyway, then like a letter arriving via Owl Post, word came that David Zaslack, the new chief executive of the studio parent company, Warner Brothers Discovery, wanted to try and repair the damage. Zaslav has start had started his new job when the associate when the associate told him to get on a plane to the UK if he wanted a chance at winning over the writer who controlled his company's most valuable property. So, and the reason this is important is because Dollars talk. We just saw Bud Light. They lost like a billion dollars over this boycott. So even if our billionaires won't fight with their dollars, maybe the people are starting to get fed up with this culture crap with, you know, Gina Carano being kicked off of the Mandalorian with every show sucking because it's just unrealistic and woke crap that no one likes except for rich white liberals. Maybe we're having a win here. Maybe this this indicates that things are starting to shift. I know it's a little victory. I don't want to look, I don't want to get too excited about it, but maybe they're realizing, okay, we went too woke. We're getting broke. Maybe we need to pull it back and be a little bit more sane. I don't know. I think that'd be a great win. They have a long way to go until they're where I want them, until they're not just Marxist propagandists, but hey, I will take it. And maybe this is a good thing. 
Um, and speaking of winning the fight uh, in the culture war, uh, Texas is continuing to stand firm on the border situation. Um, and I put this in here because little victories add up. So I, I have a lot of negative stuff in this episode. We're about to get into World War III stuff here soon. But I thought that this was this was good. Another little victory. So Texas AG patents sues NGO aiding migrants, accuses it of encouraging illegal immigration. Uh, let's just watch a little bit of this video. Ben Faulkner, he's a former mayor of San Diego, a former candidate for governor. He's now running for San Diego County Supervisor. You just can't quit because you are a public servant at heart, and you know this part of California very well. And let me just show you, call for number one here is that the numbers in the Del Rio sector in Texas Never have mind, gone I down 76. I don't think this, I hate how they put the video up there that has nothing to do with the article. But anyway, this is the, the Texas story. Texas Attor Attorney General Ken Paxton is suing a Catholic non-governmental organization operating in the state and wants to have its res res registration revoked. I can't talk today. Really, any day, so I'm, I'm terrible at reading on camera. Sorry about that, everyone. Um, registration revoked, alleging that it is encouraging illegal immigration and operating a stash house for those entering illegally. Paxton has sued and... and Annunciation House, a Catholic nonprofit set up in the 1980s, that's a weird name, and is seeking to revoke its registration to operate in Texas. Annunciation House describes itself as a volunteer organization that offers hospitality to migrants, immigrants, and refugees in El Paso, Texas. Now, this is nothing new. We've seen this, and it kind of makes sense. We saw um, Amy Coney Barrett voted in favor of the federal government, clamping down on Texas for putting seawire. Religious people... They tend to be very idealistic when it comes to politics. I, I know that I have a lot of religious viewers, and I'm not trying to talk trash on religious people just because I'm not. But they do. They're, sometimes they could be a bit idealistic where they're not really paying attention to the real world. And we saw that with Amy Coney Barrett, who, as a Catholic and a compassionate person, wants open borders and do doesn't want to clamp down on the migrants because it's mean. So we've seen a lot of this trickle down to a lot of these religious NGOs. They have places all over Latin America. It's not just in El Paso. They basically funnel these people. They give them supplies, give them food. They're one of the biggest parts. We, we talk about the cartel gets people to the, the border, and then our feds just basically act as a wing of the human tra trafficking operation, part of the cartels, and then they smuggle people into the country illegally without processing them. Well, these Catholic NGOs have a big part to play with this, but on the, the other side of the border, the southern side of the border, they're all in Mexico and they're helping transport people here, fund them, keep them going, because that's the compassionate thing to do. Well, that's illegal, and I, I understand your sentiment. I don't think that you're bad people who want to destroy the country, but you can't do that. You can't help accelerate an invasion, a peaceful invasion, if you want to call it that, or you know, I don't, I don't know if I'd call it a peaceful invasion, but very clearly an invasion, six to 10 million people, more than the population of 36 states. You can't do that. So good on you, Texas. Clamp down on these NGOs. They're breaking the law and they shouldn't be allowed to just under the guise of we're a religious operation. Um, but anyway, um, we'll move on to our next story. Uh, this one is not a good story. Uh, neither is the one after it. The one after it's the Russia stuff, but, um, this one, so the vaccine infrastructure is a joke and I wanted to bring this up. You know what? I'll just, I'll play this and then I'll explain why I decided to bring this up. And this is from the, the morning wire. 
A massive backlog for reports on COVID vaccine injuries means some people may need to wait up to a decade to hear back from the government. A congressional hearing found that America's vaccine reporting and compensation systems were not prepared for the thousands of reports regarding the harm caused by the COVID-19 vaccine. Here to discuss is Daily Wire senior editor Ash Short. So Ash, what can you tell us about this hearing? Well, last week, a House committee held a hearing to assess the effectiveness of America's vaccine safety reporting system and injury compensation systems in the wake of the COVID-19 vaccine. Those providing testimony acknowledged that just 35 people are working to address the more than 10,000 claims of vaccine injury. According to government reporting, there have been 12,854 claims filed with the vaccine compensation program alleging harm caused by the pandemic response. Of those claims, 10,640 specifically cite the vaccine as causing injury or death. Dr. Peter Marks, FDA director at the Center for Biologics Evaluation and Research, testified that the system wasn't prepared for what he called the avalanche of reports. We had to usually staff up and had many meetings (laughs) working to increase our ability to go through these reports because what the public sees on the public VAERS page is just a small fraction of the information that we have been denied so far that is very important to determining whether an adverse event is truly related to the vaccine. Now, how many claims have been validated so far? The vast majority of claims that have been evaluated have been denied. So far, the government has made 2,214 decisions and determined that just 40 claims were eligible for compensation. Of those 40, only 11 have actually been compensated so far. And why? So that's what I wanted to get to is basically the government is trying. There will be another pandemic. Mark my words. They're already trying to prep you for it. This time they're going to try to do vaccine mandates. They're going to try to criminalize vaccine disinformation, just like they are in France. And as they're trying to make everyone get these experimental vaccines, you can't do anything about it if you have an injury. Now, the reason you can't do anything about it, by the way, and this is important to tell the Republicans who get mad at me for not liking Reagan, is because Reagan made it to where you can't sue vaccine manufacturers. He made it to where you can sue the federal government on behalf of them, and the federal government will take care of it. But the vaccine companies, you still can't sue them, thanks to Reagan. Now, the problem with this is you say, okay, well, the government can take care of it. At least there's some recourse for those who are injured by vaccines, especially if the government decides to mandate that you have to take vaccines or private corporations decide to to mandate that, as many of them have. Well, 11 of you, I guess, will get some sort of compensation. 40 of you will get accepted. The vast majority, the, the government will just say no. We see this with the the VA all the time. Basically, the way it works is you, ha- you have an injury. They will do everything in their power to deny you any sort of assistance, any sort of claim. You know, you have to have very strict paperwork connecting that injury to the military. And then even then you go through a private lawyer who sends you to a doctor and he makes that connection, writes up what's called a DBQ, which basically states this is his injury. This is how it's connected to his service. And then they still will try to send you to a bunch of other appointments just so that they can have their doctor say, oh, no, that other doctor was wrong. They will do everything they can to deny you any sort of assistance, even though they sent you to war to get fucked up with this. Yeah, the government's not going to help you. You can't you can't sue the vaccine manufacturers. You got to go through the government process and the government. They're just going to say no. They're, they're not going to help you out. 
So just think about this. Whenever you're thinking about, oh, I might lose my job if I take a vaccine or something like that. There's a mandate. I might get in trouble. I might have to move states. Just be aware that if anything does go wrong, I'm not going to say that the vaccines are going to cause something to go wrong. With a lot of people, they don't. Some people, they do. But either way, you're not going to get any recourse if it does mess you up. Just be aware of that. And also, side note, be aware that it's because of Reagan, the great Republican hero. Um, let's see. So now the big topic of the day and really what got me all, all bummed out when I was prepping for this show. And, uh, it's kind of going to be our, our last topic. It's just a bunch of Russian news, um, or just foreign affairs news. So let's see. And foreign news. Here's some more BS surrounding the Russia Ukraine situation. Uh, so this was what I'm about to show you is a video that the Wall Street Journal just put out. We've been covering fear mongering on the show and how they're just trying to program you to be more and more afraid and to be more and more accepting of global conflict, even though I've covered it in depth on this show, in my writings, in articles. It's absolutely unnecessary. All of this escalation is unnecessary. It's because our U.S. government tyrants who we covered um, two days ago are just corrupt, corrupt millionaires, multimillionaires who are just... I'm not going to get into a whole big rant on them, but they're they're just tyrants who want global control and they don't want any competition. That's why they've iced out Russia since 2000. They wanted to come into NATO. We said no, because we need to we can't make friends with these people who are powerful. They need to be our enemies so that we can subjugate them. That's what our tyrants want. Um, So that's part of this whole fear mongering campaign. And I just want to show you this. Um, cause I want to expose some of the hypocrisy here. So why, why Russia may be developing nuclear weapons to use in space? Alarm and confusion have gripped Washington. The U.S. has new intelligence. Of a, quote, serious national security threat. Nukes in space, really? New intelligence suggests that Russia may be developing nuclear weapons to be used in space. Although details of the classified intelligence are slim, space policy experts said that the technology could be used against American satellites, raising questions about Russia's intentions and the potential ramifications of an orbital detonation. I think this is a wake-up call, what Russia... So you get the idea. The music, everything. They want you to be afraid. Russia has, has nukes in space. Well, here's the thing. Let's see here, this next article. Musk's SpaceX forges tighter links with U.S. spy and military agencies. Company has grown from a four-hire rocket launcher into a major national security contractor. SpaceX is deepening its ties with U.S. intelligence and military agencies, winning at least one major classified contract and expanding a secretive company satellite program called StarShield for national security customers. The Elon Musk-led company entered into a $1.8 billion classified contract with the U.S. government in 2021, according to company documents viewed by the Wall Street Journal. SpaceX said in the documents that funds from the contract were expected to become an important part of its revenue mix. In the coming years, it didn't disclose the name of the government customer. I can imagine it's the CIA. <laughs> the size and secrecy of the agreement illustrate a growing interdependence between SpaceX, a dominant force in the space industry, and the national security establishment. So, in other words, we are doing the exact same thing. Um, why we're acting like Russia is aggressive for doing this? I don't know. They're doing the exact same thing as us. We're... You know, we were in a, a, a space race back in the Cold War. 
Now we're in another situation where everybody wants to stay competitive. So as one, one person puts a bunch of nukes in space, everyone else wants to, but here's the thing we've, all of us have had nukes in space for forever. So this is just, it's bullshit fear mongering. Oh, Russia's going to have nukes in space. Okay. So do we, they're a superpower. They're a sovereign state. Why do we care? We've all had nukes. Why, why is this an immediate security threat that we got to, the, the implica implication is that we have to clamp down on Russia. We have to do something. But again, this isn't about security. It's about overpaid, corrupt clowns being able to control the world. That's what they want. They don't want Russia to have nukes in space because they want to be able to point nukes at Russia and say, do what we want. Do what Nancy Pelosi wants. Do what Ted Cruz wants. We're going to control how you live or we're going to nuke you. That's what they want. They want to have all the power, which to be honest, I don't like because I love this country. It's the greatest country on planet Earth, in my opinion. I think we have the, the best ideology, the best finding, founding documents. But our leaders are just as corrupt, if not more corrupt, than all these other governments. So our, our government is not some good actor. We think about the U.S., we're the good guys when we go overseas. Yeah, the guys on the ground, maybe, but not the leaders. Our leaders aren't the good guys. America, the establishment, the corporation, the government, America is not the good guys. People have got to snap out of that. But anyway... To add to this, not only are we doing the exact same thing, and we're sitting there trying to freak out about Russia doing it, um, the Silicon Valley's next mission, help the U.S. catch China and Russia in hypersonic weapons. Tech founders and investors place unlikely bets on super-fast missile systems. So in other words, we're also trying to develop hypersonic weapon systems, which I'm not entirely sure what those are. Um, let's see, U.S. is years behind in its biggest rivals in cutting-edge hypersonic missile technology. Silicon Valley is betting it can help the military catch up. Venture capitalists, better known for pumping money into business software services and social media um, apps, are now de deploying hundreds of millions of dollars into developing the technology for hypersonic weapons the U.S. military wants but has struggled to figure out despite decades of trying. Um, let's see... Hypersonic aircraft and weapons fly at five times the speed of sound or faster, which is at least 3,800 miles an hour. The aircraft must be able to withstand temperatures of thousands of degrees. The major powers of the world are in a race to develop the most sophisticated missiles that can be launched from long distances, evade air defenses, maneuver and strike targets quickly before the enemy can make preparations or even know they are coming. So in other words, again, and I, I have no no problem with this. I think we should be developing sophisticated weapons. We should be, we should be competitive on the global stage. It's good to have, you know, speak softly and carry a big stick. However, this arms race and trying to turn it into an arms race when this is just normal, normal countries, mutually assured destruction, continue to develop weapons. This is perfectly normal. It's perfectly natural. That's why you make peace with these, these countries. You try to avoid war, especially because you don't know what they have. Instead, we're trying to turn it into this, this race, this arms race where, oh, Putin's about to take over the entire world. We got to keep developing these weapons. We got we to gotta do something about Russia develop, developing their weapons. It's like, no, we're not at war with, with Russia. We technically are because we're funding NATO and our CIA's, their special operations are in, in Ukraine, but we're not technically at war with NATO. So why this would be an arms race? It's just more fear-mongering. It's just designed to make you afraid of the Russians so that when they eventually say we're sending Western troops to Ukraine, you don't think about it. You think it's a good thing. But um, anyway, this Russia fear-mongering gets way worse, folks. Check this out. 
So let's see. European officials push for U.S. support for Ukraine. U.K., German, Polish, and foreign ministers say American security is on the line in war effort against Russia. European foreign ministers warn that the outcome of the Ukraine war is critical to American strategic and security interest as Russia presses its offensive and U.S. military assistance is hung up in Congress. Um, On the eve of the second anniversary of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, UK Foreign Secretary David Cameron, Polish Foreign Minister Radoslaw Sikorsky, and German Foreign Minister Annalena Baerbach said that US support is essential in a conflict that resents a broader fight between liberal democracies and autocracies. Um, So what I have to say to that is, screw off, why would we be ever taking (laughs) any sort of... um, pressure from these European countries that don't even pay 2% of their GDP for the defense. But here's more in this um, escalation. So Europe's calling for us to spend more money and escalate the conflict. And now the Wall Street Journal, this is an opinion piece from the editorial board of the Wall Street Journal, one of the biggest papers in the country. It's time to seize Russia's reserves. Ukraine needs the money. What, What is Biden waiting for? The White House is promising tough new sanctions on Russia after the murder of opposition leader Alexei Navalny. But the test of seriousness will be whether President Biden is willing to seize Russia's sovereign assets and transfer them to Ukraine. Mr. Biden and Western nations have been reluctant to confiscate the $300 billion or so in Russia reserve, Russian reserve funds parked in Western financial institutions. They were frozen when Russia invaded, but there they sit two years later collecting dust and interest. It's almost as if Mr. Biden and German Chancellor Olaf Slozh imagined that the money might be an inducement for Vladimir Putin to negotiate a peace deal and rejoin the civilized world. Um, so again, we're not at war with Russia. But they're passing this off as, well, this would be a good thing. No, <laughs> this will not be a good thing. We're not at war. We're funding Ukraine, but we are not at war with Russia. This is a very different thing when we are directly seizing assets that we already froze. No, it's just more escalation that they want. And here's the next one, um, escalation. Uh, Macron, that's the leader of France, says nothing ruled out, including using Western troops to stop Russia winning Ukraine war. French President Emmanuel Macron has openly discussed the possibility of sending European troops to Ukraine to help Kiev win the war against Russia, a potential major escalation to the largest ground war Europe has has seen since World War II. Though the possibility of Western democracies putting boots on the ground in Ukraine remains remote, Macron's comments following a summit in support of Ukraine prompted a hawkish response from the Kremlin and sent European leaders scrambling to backtrack. A NATO official told CNN the alliance had no plans to deploy combat troops in Ukraine. Uh, This was after Putin said he would nuke the West if we did that. So with all of this crap, uh, this is what I wrote here. So the U.S. should give more money to more money and weapons to Ukraine, seize Russian assets and send and threaten to send troops to Ukraine. What the hell, people? First off, screw you, Europe. Fight and fund your own war, assholes. You can't even pay 2% of your own GDP to defense, you cocksuckers. I was pretty angry when I was writing the notes on this. Second, the U.S. is not at war with Russia. Why do we seize their assets? So that's my answer to all this is no, you can't even pay 2% of your GDP to self-defense. You're not going to sit here and try to pressure us into, oh, the U.S. needs to send more money to Ukraine. Screw off. Also, Macron, no, we're not going to send Western troops. It's not going to be the French fighting the Russians. It's going to be the Americans. Shut your mouth. 
you French asshole. And then again, why? No, we're not going to seize Russian assets because we're not at war with Russia. Of course, no one listens to me, so they probably will do all of those things. Um, and they will just continue to escalate this conflict. And it gets worse, by the way. So check this out. So in my, I wrote an article called You Don't Have to Like Putin to Be Against America's Involvement in His War for Wrong Speak Publishing. I've had it on the show. You can look it up. Um, I also have it on my Substack, um, which under the YouTube videos, I put my Substack if you're a new viewer, but you can also just look me up um, at Alex Oaks 331. That's my Substack. All my articles are there. You can find this article. But I talk in that article about how what has caused all of this? We talked about it on the show recently with the CIA's involvement. Um, actually, we're going to get to that in just a second, um, a little update on that. But in 1991, we, had, we gave Russia ironclad guarantees. And that was the words we used that we would not expand NATO one inch east of Germany. Well, what have we done since then? We've added two countries to NATO that border Russia and are east of Germany. And now we've been talking nonstop about letting Ukraine in, even though we say we're not going to. We're going to get to in a second how that's a lie. Now, what happens when America is threatened on our borders? Well, remember the Cuban Missile Crisis? We were about to go to nuclear war because Russia was putting missiles in Cuba, or we thought they were putting missiles in Cuba. But yet we want to be able to border Russia with NATO, it, it makes no sense. We would in no way allow another country to do that. We would have a problem if China or Russia built a military base in Mexico right by the border, but we somehow think that we can do that to other countries. Again, our tyrants at the top, they don't want to work with Russia. They want a bad guy because a bad guy allows them to fear monger and to seize more power and have their boot on the neck of the world. That's what they want. They want to run the world, our tyrants. So, it makes complete sense why Putin would have a problem with NATO being backed up to his borders. And that's exactly what we've done. And the whole thing with Ukraine is he has to avoid Ukraine becoming part of NATO. And we said, well, we're not, we're not going to make Ukraine part of NATO. Well, here is the NATO chief says, Ukraine will join the alliance. This is from four days ago. On a day marking the anniversary of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, the secretary general of the Northern North Atlantic Treaty Organization dropped a diplomatic bombshell of his own. Ukraine will join NATO, Secretary General Jen Stoltenberg said, according to a transcript of his speech. It's not a question of if, but of when. So, Putin in his interview, he said that this is the West wants to turn Ukraine into a puppet state. That's why they we overthrew their government and put in a, a pro-Western leader in 2014. Now, it's, it's confirmed. We're saying the quiet part out loud that we're going to make NATO or we're going to make Ukraine part of NATO. It makes complete sense why Russia would have a problem with this. And we continue to do it and continue to fund them and continue to do all these other dumb things. We just said like people are trying to get us to seize their assets. It's so stupid. The fear mongering. There is no reason that we should be in this situation where we're talking about a hot war with Russia over the small regional conflict. It is our tyrants at the top that are responsible for this. Yes, Putin is a bad guy for invading Ukraine. I get all that. He's a dictator. I am not a fan of Putin or the Russians. But the catalyst for this whole situation is the tyrants at the top of the U.S. government. We hold the responsibility for this entire thing escalating and continuing to escalate. And then obviously, you know, our, we are the ones who want uh, Ukraine to be in uh, NATO. So that's why the NATO chief is saying it. But I mean, America funds NATO. So NATO doesn't really do anything that the U.S. doesn't want. So 
for all intents and purposes, excuse me, that might have been that might as well have been just the Biden administration coming out and saying it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Um, anyway, yeah, I wrote, this is exactly why Putin is upset and is what we've been working towards. Check out this shit, which confirms exactly what Putin said in his Tucker interview. This was another thing. Speaking of, oh, no, there's not some big conspiracy to to get Ukraine into NATO and for, for you know, we don't have CIA involvement. Nope, not true. CIA, CIA secretly helping Ukraine fend off Russia for a decade. Explosive New York Times report sheds light on intelligence agencies, covert spy bases. The Central Intelligence Agent Central Intelligence Agency reportedly helped Ukraine set up an intelligence network in the form of 12 spy bases almost over a decade ago. Interesting timing. 2014 when Putin said that there was a, a coup that was funded by the West and started by the CIA, an anti-Russian coup in Ukraine. Huh, interesting. That was 10 years ago as well. Um, anyway, what happened based on over 200 interviews conducted with current and former officials in Ukraine, the United States and Europe, Europe, Ukraine's Europe, Ukraine's that's weird. The New York times reported on Sunday that the intelligence network supported by the CIA has proven to be a game changer in the ongoing conflict with Russia. The network compromising 12 secret bases along the Russian border has significantly bolstered Ukraine, Ukraine's intelligence capabilities. So 12 bases on Russia's border were saying Ukraine is going to become part of NATO. We want to surround them. And then we're surprised when Putin does something about it. Again, I'm not happy that Putin invaded. I'm not happy, unlike Kamala Harris, that 300,000 Russians are dead, even though I'm not a fan of the Russian military. But make no mistake, we are responsible for this. And to be honest, it seems like they want war. It really does. They either want war or they want... They're willing to risk war just to have their boot on the neck of the world, to be the supreme rulers of the globe, our tyrants and our our government that we elect. That's what it seems like they want. They're willing to risk world war over it. And it seems more and more likely every single day that it's going to happen. And you can't make this stuff up. Like for all of our talks, you know, Ben Shapiro, I like Ben Shapiro, but he talks about how Russia is an expansionist power. We are an, an expansionist power. We've expanded all over the world. We have, you know, pseudo colonies everywhere. And we literally, we just can't leave other countries alone. We have to continue to escalate things and poke the bear of these superpowers because they're arrogantly thinking that they can just fling a bunch of U.S. troops at these countries and do whatever they want. They're more than happy to do that, even though we've covered it on the show. I don't even know if we would win a world war. We are not the same country we were back in the, the early night or early 20th century. But anyway, um, to make matters even, even worse, our rejection and escalation in regard to Russia is driving them into the arms of North Korea. So look at this. And I wrote down here, you are doing this, America. Uh, in the Putin interview, we talked about how in 2000, he wanted to join NATO, but we wouldn't let them. We said, no, we can't do it right now, even though we're going to let Ukraine in. Um, well, as this whole rejection of Russia has been going on, not only have we been driving them into the hands of China, who is systematically destroying us with, you know, not even by firing a shot, by taking over the green energy industry, selling us green energy while they just continue to blow carbon out their butts. And then also by uh, forging ties with Russia and India, with the BRICS countries and currency under undercutting faith in the U.S. dollar. China is absolutely eating our lunch there, and we've pushed Russia more towards them in this conflict. Well, now we're also pushing Russia towards North Korea. Remember North Korea, the place that we, we, for all intents and purposes, had peace with under Trump when he went there? 
<sighs> While the world was lurking, looking elsewhere, North Korea became a bigger threat. Kim enlarged his nuclear arsenal and built ties to Russia. No longer aiming for reunification with South Korea, the U.S. and its allies are alarmed. Again, look at the wording there. The U.S. and its allies are alarmed. Trying to fearmonger you. Oh, look, the Russians are now in bed with the scary North Koreans. We are the reason that they're in bed with the North Koreans. In March 2022, North Korean leader Kim Jong-un walked out of a massive hangar wearing a bomber jacket and dark sunglasses. He pointed to the sky and launched his biggest missile yet. This miraculous victory is a priceless victory, Kim said. It was classic North Korean theater, but behind it were developments that together have made Kim's regime a genuinely more capable and more threatening antagonist. Its ability to unleash some form of nuclear attack on the world has never looked so credible, so prone to misperception, and so resistant to dissuasion. So good job, American leaders. Good job. You freaking idiots. Again, North Korea is not good, guys. Russia is not good, guys. But <laughs> neither are we. We are not good guys either. We are just the assholes, though, that are escalating all of these situations. All of them, they're behaving somewhat rationally and logically to a giant bully trying to fuck with everyone. Again, I don't like them. I, I don't think that they're good countries, but you could expect that from a, a, a political strategy perspective, this is exactly what I would expect when America's behaving like an expansionist, dominating asshole that wants to control the entire world and wants everyone to be subjugated under us. It's absolute nonsense. And who will pay for it? We will either by dying in cities because of nuclear strikes that our leaders have escalated things to that point and now missiles are getting launched or in a massive world war where they're just sending our, our kids and my friends to go die. It's infuriating. Um, anyway, final story. Supreme Court hears arguments about U.S. ban on bump stocks. So Supreme Court hears arguments about U.S. ban on gun bump stocks. Um US, the U.S. Supreme Court justices struggled over the technical aspects of bump stocks on Wednesday as they considered the legality of a federal ban imposed under former President Donald Trump on these devices that enable semi-automatic weapons to fire rapidly, like machine guns, in a case targeting in, in a case targeting another firearms restriction after a major gun rights expansion in 2022. By the way, important to note there, again, Trump very bad on guns. He's the one who came after bump stocks, not the left. He said we would get him back in court. The justices are hearing arguments in an appeal by President Joe Biden's administration of a lower court's ruling in favor of Michael Cargill, a gun owner, gun shop owner and gun rights activist from Austin, Texas, who challenged the ban that was put in place after a 2017 mass shooting that killed 58 people in Las Vegas. Um, some justices asked justice, justice department lawyer, Brian Fletcher to explain how the bump stock feature features satisfied the definition of a machine gun. Intuitively, I am entirely sympathetic to your argument. I mean, and it seems like, yes, this is functioning like a machine gun would said conser conservative justice, Amy Coney Barrett. But looking at that definition, I think the question is why didn't Congress pass that legislation to make this covered more clearly? So by the way, I was talking about Amy Coney Barrett. Uh, what a turd and a failure she's turned out to be on the border. And then on this, um, aren't you supposed to be a conservative lady who's really into the Constitution? Here's the thing on this. <laughs> here, here is the point. It is a, a false premise. They're sitting there arguing, what is a machine gun? 
First off, these aren't machine guns. Bump stocks, anyone who knows anything about guns, they're not bump stocks. And I can tell you right now, people call me conspiracy theorist. Those were not weapons. There was more to that Vegas shooting. Those were automatic weapons. The wounds, I know people who were there at that concert who were telling me these are not, these are AK rounds. This is 7.62 rounds. This is um, 7.62, which are our M240 Bravo shoot. They're like absolutely sounded. It was medium machine guns. The wounds are consistent with that. They were not 5.56 from the AR-15s. Absolutely. There's more to that story. There were more than one shooter. And also, yeah, I think that M240 Bravo uh, medium machine guns were used. I When I heard the footage, I, I thought immediately, oh, that's I know what that sound is. That's a medium machine gun. So that that's the first off is that thing. No, that, that wasn't bump stocks that caused that. It's If you look at the statistics of how many rounds he fired in a period of time, it's like it's impossible that he shot all those rounds by himself. But that, again, negates the fact that um, bump stocks aren't machine guns. But even if they were machine guns, we should be allowed to have machine guns. The Second Amendment, if you're Amy Coney Barrett and you're a constitutional lawyer and you're you're supposed to be this right-wing justice, the, the First Amendment or the Second Amendment is pretty clear. And it's clear why we have why we have <laughs> the rights that we have. It's not for hunting, it's not for for target shooting, it's to be able to stop tyranny, to overthrow a tyrannical government. And because of that, there's no restrictions on what arms we're allowed to bear because we're supposed to have any weapons that a standing military would have that our own standing military would have. So again, there's a part to it where I say this in the book, again, St. Citizen's Political Handbook, um, you know, look it up. Uh, there's a whole chapter on guns, but yeah, we, we should be allowed to have well-regulated militias that operate as independent militaries. They should have tanks. They should have planes. That's completely constitutional. It's actually in line with what the founders wanted. They didn't just want us to have AR-15s. No, they want us to have what the military has so that we could overthrow the military. Now, that's scary to some people, but that is that is constitutional. Now, you can come in and say, well, we, should, we can roll back and actually we need to change the Second Amendment and include only these arms. You'd have to go through the law. I wish you wouldn't, but you could go through the law and do that. But either way, as the law stands now, this is irrelevant whether it's a machine gun or not, because we should be allowed to have machine guns. That's constitutional. And certainly at the federal level, it should be constitutional. States can maybe, there'll be a battle there in the states where some states will say no, and then you'll have to go to the supremacy clause and all of those things. But either way, this is a completely irrelevant debate because at the end of the day, we should be allowed to have machine guns. You can't ban machine guns, government. You can do background checks if you want, stuff like that that's already in place, but you don't get to say this type of arm is too deadly so you're not allowed to bear it. That's not what the Second Amendment says. You have, it says you have the right to keep and bear arms and have a well-regulated militia. Anyway, um, that is our show for today. I went a bit over, but um, Zach, he's he's sick today. He actually called out of work. I've, I'm feeling under the weather. Something's going around. That's actually why we didn't film yesterday, so... Sorry if the show's been a bit um, discombobulated. I, I, you know, <laughs> took took some uh, vitamin C before I came on and was like, all right, just got to push through. Um, but I think we got a lot, a lot covered. Um, certainly caught up on some of the notes I've been wanting to get to. Had a great show tomorrow. Um, trying to get a guest on. We had rescheduled from last week. Um, still up in, in the air, so I don't know if it'll just be me or maybe me and a, an exciting, exciting guest. We'll see. But um, in the meantime. 
uh, we will get to our final video and then uh, a couple plugs. So let's see here. Let me restart this. I don't think you know how big 12 inches is. This is just a funny video for the boys. Just in scale, where is that going? Not in here, okay? The average gal is gonna get about that much. Sorry, Maybe mother, this, if you're watching. If they're a pro, but the rest of that, completely unmanageable. This is the biggest I've ever seen in real life, but this is fine. It's completely <laughs> fine. This, fabulous, almost too big. Definitely too big, fucking sick day, ER, 27 club, and now I'm just skipping my next life. Anything after that is entirely unethical. I don't think we know what we're talking about. I don't think you know how big 12 is. <laughs> I just wanted to show that because I thought it was hilarious. And for the boys that are watching this show, uh, I walked away feeling like a superstar. I was that entire day after I watched that. I saw it in the morning before I went to the gym. I was just walking around going... Yeah. Oh, hello. Hello. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So maybe it'll uh, make you feel a little bit better. Uh, I appreciate, you know, with how porn's taken over our culture and everything, I think it's caused a lot of body positivity issues, especially with uh, young men. But um, I just thought that was funny. I'm not trying to turn it into something serious, but I did think it was funny. Like, hey, you know, average dudes, you're fine. You don't Porn isn't real. Um, there's nothing wrong with you, despite what all the hip hop songs say, all the, you know, Sukihana or, uh, you know, Sexy Red, all those rappers that just talk about, you know, 10 inch willies. Um, <laughs> now, there I go, turning it into something, something serious. But anyway, uh, that's our show. Um, if you are watching this on Spotify or iTunes or listening to it, go to YouTube, Nobody's News, support us there. If you're on YouTube, help us out by going to Spotify or iTunes, giving us a sub there. That's usually um, where we go when episodes inevitably get restricted and blocked. And um, also, helps it helps me get bigger guests. Uh, go to Twitter, X as it's known now, if you have one. At author Alex Oaks is my my name on there. Uh, the more we grow, the more access we have to big guests. And then also, I'll uh, I'll add a little bumper here. Um, go check out our book. It, audiobook should be out. Um, I know it's out on Barnes and Noble. Might not be out on Audible yet, but it should be coming any day now. Uh, but print and ebook are available everywhere. The Sane Citizens Political Handbook, uh, number one in libertarian books on Amazon right now. Uh, go go check it out. Support us. Uh, we made it. You know the the publisher controls the price, but I, I made it as cheap as possible. I told them. Like, I don't, I don't really, I'm not looking to make money off of this. I just want to get the ideas out there because I do think it's a very important book that cuts through the party lines, the, the Republican Democrat mind poison that we've all got sucked into. So go check that out. Um, other than that, see you tomorrow. Uh, keep a book on your nightstand. Read it before we go to bed. That way you're smarter tomorrow than you were today. We got to We got the We got the